This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What the heck is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I'm joined by both of my favorite dudes on planet Earth and in the gaming sphere. It's Paris Lily and Gary Witta. Paris, I'll start with you. Welcome back to another week of the podcast. How are you feeling? I'm uh, feeling good. Feeling real good. It's been a, it's been, been a good good week. Definitely good. been a good week, so excited excited for the show yes i'm excited we have uh, some game awards nominees now out in a, a you know reveal to the world that we're going to talk about xbox looking back on the year pairs been a pretty good year and i'm excited to break it down with you and gary today gary you've been the man who's doing the most you have been around the globe and back now Let's check in with you. How are you doing, Gary? Yeah, I wasn't able to be on the show last week because I um, was invited to uh, London. Uh, to present an award at the uh, the Golden Joysticks, which is the oldest, I found this out when I was there, the oldest and longest running video game award show in the world. No way. Now in their 41st year. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, last time I was there was in the 1990s when I was a rookie games journalist working for Computer and Video Games Magazine. Um, through the COVID years, I they asked me to present Nintendo Game of the Year. Um, and I did it three years in a row. Wow. Um, 22... 21 and 20 those are the years when everything was you know kind of zoom and and live streamed instead of like you know live award ceremonies this was their first year back and they said would you like to do it for the fourth year in a row and I, in person i said oh i'd love to but like i can't justify the if you want to pay my travel and expenses absolutely but i can't justify that and i was like oh, we'll get back to you I was like, i'm never gonna hear from them again but they came back and said oh we can offer you this much travel expenses and as i looked at flights and hotels oh this is gonna work so i was able to do it that's awesome, Gary. Um, I, was little, I was a little, oh, there I am. You looked great. Let's talk looking about it, Looking good, Gary. right? I mean, there you are looking terrific, Gary. We love you suited and booted. And uh, it's yeah, nice what to was dress up once in like? a while. It was great. So I was a little bit um, nervous about going back because I haven't been back to England, my, my country of birth, in almost uh, 10 years. Last time I was back, there was for Rogue One when we shot Rogue One in 2015. Wow, Gary, I didn't know um, that. No. But I have been feeling kind of weirdly, I don't want to say homesick because I don't really get homesick, but like nostalgic for the old country. And I was thinking about when's, when's my next chance to go back, and they asked, and it just seemed to be great. Um, I didn't want to leave my uh, wife and kids alone for too long, so it was, a, it was a really short trip. Flew in on the Thursday. Awards was all day Friday. I had one free day on the Saturday to do what I wanted to do, and then straight back Sunday. That's the, the quickest I've ever been back, really only two full days, which is long for a transatlantic flight. Of course. Um, but uh, it was great. I, I, I had such a good time. I saw, I, I saw so many interesting people at the awards ranging from people that I haven't used to work with and haven't seen in like 30 years to new people that I just met for the first time who are brilliant. And so I had, I had the best time. It's a really, really good day. You want to give a good weekend. You want to give me and Paris a couple of shout outs to some impressive people you got to meet and chat with. I met some really, really interesting people. I met, um, 
uh, the wonderful Patricia Somerset, okay. who, of course, the voice of Princess Zelda. Wonderful to wow. meet her. Um, uh, the great Ralph Innocent, uh, the voice of Lorath in Diablo 4, was there. They had tremendous uh, voice acting talent there. Uh, who else? Oh, there's Ralph. Yeah. Um, ben Starr. What yeah, a, what a fucking it. star. Star by dude. name, star by yeah. nature. I had never met him before. They sat me next to him at this presenter's dinner the night before we went out. I was like, who's this bloke? And he's just, he was like hilarious. I didn't, I didn't even know who he was. He was great. Just, this is a funny guy. Uh, ended up becoming very good friends with him. Just the nicest, nicest guy. Just hilarious. Very funny. He gave me a shout out when he was up on stage. Well, that was nice of him. There's Ben. And of course, the wonderful Troy Baker, mm -hmm. um, who is one, as, for as long as I've known Troy, and we did Gundog together. You know, he's in, he's done, we've worked on projects together. This was actually the first time I've ever met him. Wow. IRL. So we got to hang out. Um, who else? And of course, can't go any further without mentioning the incomparable Jules Hardy. Of course, you know Who it. I only met for the first time when we were on the X-Cast a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. But I saw she was at the Joysticks. There she is. Um, we ended up going on a, on a pub crawl in Soho uh, <laughs> to like two o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. And let me just tell you something. I joke, I joke about this. I've joked about it on the, on the show, but like, I actually do mean this sincerely. I was an only child growing up. I never had a brother or a sister. And I always felt like that's a relationship that I kind of would love to have had, but missed out on. I have no idea what it's like to have a brother or a sister. But now I kind of feel like I do, because honestly, Jules is like the sister I never had, but always wanted. She's, she's just like me. She's a mouthy Brit <laughs> who doesn't know. She's hilarious. She's the best. I love her to bits. Um, she's like my new BFF. And so I can't say enough, enough good things about Jules. Just the absolute fucking best. That's great to hear, Gary. Congratulations on a great weekend. And most importantly, congratulations on going back and being a presenter. That's yeah, a big deal. I really, we love I, celebrating you, I've Paris got, and myself, whenever we get to do cool stuff. I've kind of got the presenting bug now because I presented nar Best Narrative at the Dice Awards in Vegas in February and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did Nintendo Game of the Year at the Joysticks. Now, so by the way, I, I, I sent Jeff Keighley a DM. I was say there's one more, So Gary. I sent a DM to your friend and mine, Jeff Keighley. What did he say? And said, what did he say? I'll tell you when he fucking gets back to me, oh. Mike. <laughs> I said, listen, I don't know if you've been following uh, my nascent presenting career, but, you know, I killed it at Dice. Uh-huh. I just fucking crushed it at the Golden Joysticks. Bang. If you want, you know, a middle-aged thirst trap. Yeah. With a British accent to come, on, to come on and, uh, and present an award for you at the Game Awards. You know where to find me. Nothing. Not, nothing back. Completely blanked. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I've, what I've learned, I'm not, I'm, I'm not Hollywood enough for Jeff. No, Gary, that's no, not No, I'm not true. glamorous enough. He just doesn't know the tear you're on. He doesn't know you're on a heater well, right I've now. Well, I've tried, I mean, I've tried to educate him. I sent, I sent him the, the, the deets. N nothing. <laughs> I don't know, he's a very busy man. Well, maybe Paris can put in a good word for you. Paris is getting ready for this December to go down to the Game Awards once yeah, again. Yeah, I'll be there. If Paris be is there, excited, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm wearing my PlayStation jacket. Oh, no, Paris, I wanted to talk to you about that. Oh, gosh. No, yep. listen. In all, <laughs> serious, in all, in all seriousness, in, in all yeah. seriousness, I know that you probably came onto the show today bracing yourself a little bit yeah. for me to give you some grief over your um, PlayStation content and your PlayStation loyalty mm -hmm. and your PlayStation love. <laughs> I know I've been calling you PlayStation Paris mm -hmm. on Twitter and all this kind of stuff because they sent you, one of the co-hosts of the X-Cast, of new, the new PlayStation 5 Slim and the stand and a portable. Yep. Did, did you get one? Oh, uh, no, no. No, neither did I, stranger. Oh, so wow, wow. Pa Paris has got something else wow. going on. I, I don't know. He's obviously, he's, he, he, he knows the right people. He's on the right lists. I yeah, don't know yeah. how he's doing it, but fair play to him. Like, he's getting the goods. <laughs> now, you and I mm -hmm. could talk about 
the appropriateness of, of being an Xbox podcast oh, host, oh, but like okay, going do down, the, going down okay. the PlayStation rap. I, I, I just want to say I'm not interested in any of that. No, no, no. Paris, rest assured, no, no, no. the idea of you getting grief over all of your PlayStation fandom and all your PlayStation content, that I would somehow now start referring to you as Agent Paris or PlayStation <laughs> Paris or anything like that and like, tur like turning this into like a long-running joke. Of course. That is, I, I personally think that's very childish, very petty, and I, and I won't be doing any of that. It, so it rest assured, we won't be talking about PlayStation uh, again. I am I fascinated now. Say. I want. I want to know who his hookup there is, oh, though, because he's got. He's got the fucking ST hookup. <laughs> I have to say, every time you tweet, it just brings a smile to <laughs> my face every freaking time. I freaking love it. It's great. But uh, I ask Greg Miller. He, he's the PlayStation guy, not me. That is well, true. I mean, I, I mean, you're, you're, but you are ascending the ranks. When, when, when I think of, when I think of, like, kind of funny in PlayStation, wow. I think of two people. I think of Greg Miller and I think of Paris Lily. Wow. PL, wow. I love you. XOXO. Eddie Jr. or Janet oh. Garcia. You like that? PL, I love you. XOXO. I, love I just it. thought of that one. I've got a lot more, but I'm not going to be deploying them because that We're would be childish and petty. Not here. And no, might, no. It might give people the inaccurate impression that I'm in some way jealous or resentful about PlayStation, about Paris getting all this PlayStation uh -huh. stuff, and I'm not. Whereas, you know, we're as, on the same level. Look, we're on the same show here right now. Look, as yes. Phil Spencer himself yes. has said multiple times, gaming is for everyone. Gaming is for everything. everyone. Yep. And as Gary Wooden once said, and we'll say again now, <laughs> it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> oh, okay. Again, in the loop going that way, I like that. <laughs> well, let's check in with Paris and what he's been playing. Because, yeah, Paris Yeah, we've been playing with PlayStation, Paris. I would... Paris, tell us about the, tell us about the portables. Should Xbox make a portable? Tell us all about it. Well, they, they kind of already have. It's, it's the rogue ally. That, that's their portable. That's mm -hmm. the way I see it. I mean, the fact that I can already take any game on Game Pass wherever I, I go, you know, in a handheld device, they already have one. Um, it's interesting that that Steam Deck OLED is about to come out tomorrow, and I'm truly trying to talk myself out of oh, buying God. it because I don't need it. The, the only advice I would give that to you, give to you on that, Paris, is if you, if you don't want one, don't look at one in real life because once you see yeah. it in real life like you, we, OLED, once you've seen an oled screen you can't yeah. not have it totally. i know yep i know and i'm probably gonna stupidly buy one anyway so we'll see don't do it Let's but stay i might together. i might try you to mean. sell i wonder if i could sell my old one and put it towards getting the new oled one well that's what i'm kind of thinking yeah. I was like, well i could get something for my old one and then buy that one but the reason i bring up the steam deck is it doesn't do native Game Pass. You still have to, you know, run through those different steps to create the cloud app and you can cloud stream on the Steam Deck, which which works pretty well. But I hope and, you know, I'm saying it here on the show that Xbox and Valve can kind of partner up and it at a minimum just have a native cloud streaming app on the Steam Deck. But to get native Game Pass games on there, not just the ones that are on Steam, working on the Steam Deck would, would be ideal. That would add a it, ton because, of value to it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. With, with that improved screen, improved battery life, that would, yeah, I, I would love to see that. But as far as what I've been playing um, on Xbox, dude, I've been... I appreciate you, I appreciate you clarifying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've been playing a lot of Halo Infinite. Um, when the, the, the Halo 3 refuel maps just came out uh yesterday i've just been all over that playing that and even before then jumping into ranked matches me danny cleef just just having a good time it's it's been a lot of fun i know we've been talking a lot about halo infinite the past few weeks but they've just done a phenomenal job with season five this this is what i've wanted from day one from from halo infinite for multiplayer variety of maps variety of modes 
the, the, all the stuff that's happening in Forge right now is just incredible. I played like a damn near a full length campaign mission uh, that somebody created the other day where you had to take down this brute tower and it was great. A lot of fun. So I, I mean, I, I just can't wait to see what else the community creates in, in that Forge stuff. And we obviously know the firefight maps are firefight maps are coming, things like that. So there's a lot going on in Halo. I, I, I Really digging it. Really, really digging it. It's a lot of fun. And with this Halo 3 refuel maps that's coming out, they added a new, um, was it 20 tier uh, free battle pass as yep. well. So you can check that out too. Yeah, it's good. I'm digging it. This is good right here, Gary. I, I echo what Paris has said. I am loving this update with the refueled Mountain Dew Halo 3 maps. Like, this is awesome. Seven OG maps brought back to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, One yeah. brand new map. I mean, Gary and Paris, let's be real. This is what we've been asking for for a yep. long, long time. Make it happen. And the big shout is the community making these in Forge, teaming up with Mountain Dew and 343, putting them out there in a dedicated playlist, being us as the consumers and players being able to jump in. The moment you jump into some of these iconic maps, it just feels so good. It is back to home. It makes you smile. And we're kind of having this renaissance of old is new again, and it's what's seeing hot it right all now. over. Yeah, retro. OG Fortnite has taken over mm -hmm. the world. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is the OG maps from Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. So you're playing all the originals, and now Halo 3 maps and Halo Infinite. I mean, World of Warcraft it's Classic, great. very popular. It's perfect, Gary. It's a perfect time right now where we're just celebrating the old before we, you know, move on to the new. I, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. No, that's great. I'm having some fun, and of course, we're going to be having some fun throughout all of today's episodes because we are we're going to be talking about the Game Awards and then a very special interview with a very special voice actor that you don't want to miss at the back half of the show. But let's just get into it because this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Thursday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. As we get near the end of the year and we approach the holidays of course myself and the team here at kind of funny and on the xcast would like to thank each and every one of you for watching listening tuning in and supporting any way you can each and every week we love getting to hang out with all of you the audience out there so whether you're watching on youtube and or a podcast service thank you so much for your support and hanging with us of course your support goes a long way, just like you can over on Patreon. If you would like to get any of our shows ad-free, maybe watch them live or enjoy a whole bunch of bonus content, you can become a Patreon member anytime over on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. Of course, we like to shout out those who support us over on Patreon, just like our Patreon producers for the month of November, Jackson Hampton and Delaney Twining. Thank you. For your support this week the kind of funny x cast is sponsored by better help but i'm about to tell you about that right now so let's kick it to an ad this episode's brought to you by better help this time of year can be a lot and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it i can't even count the amount of nights i lose sleep because i just can't stop thinking and my brain just won't stop talking therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace and it can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Some of my best friends use BetterHelp and love how helpful it can be for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. 
Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KindaFunny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash KindaFunny. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Let's talk about it, guys. The Game Awards are right around the corner, and we now have all of the nominees for all of the categories. 31 categories in total for 2023's Game Awards, and there's a lot of love. There's a lot of representation from the big threes to indie titles. There are some great games here in 2023 that we're going to celebrate. And I want to talk about it with all of you. If we look back on a year of Xbox and what they've done in 2023, I think they've made some really good strides, some great strides, some would say, into continuing fulfilling that picture of first-party titles continuing to click and most importantly, Game Pass and continuing deliver. But as we take a look at the nominations for Jeff Keighley's Game of the Year and so on, I wanted to talk about a couple of those big nominees and see what you guys think. So we've talked about it each and every week. What are the big six? What is going to be this year's Game of the Year for Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards? We have the six nominations now. Are you ready for them, Gary Witta? Hit me. Game of the Year recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they defined game of the year for me. I was a bit confused about well, what the award was. I like to make sure because I think there's some blending that Jeff Keighley does on a couple of these, like best action and adventure, best action game, right? Like I know we had, we, we had it at the joysticks. Honestly, as much as I was happy to present at the joysticks, the way they did their categories was very strange. Mm -hmm. Yes. And like it was, some things were nominated in one category, but not another way we'd think it would be equally as appropriate. It was the timing of it was weird. Mm -hmm. I had to do game of the year for Nintendo, but Super Mario Wonder wasn't even nominated in its category, but it was nominated for overall mm -hmm. game of the year. How does that work? Weird. I don't know. Yeah, this yeah, is this weird. is this yeah. is a thing where mm -hmm. you see it in different award shows, like at the Golden Globes, they have like best music. Remember when, like when Martian won for best musical or comedy? Yes. The fuck is that? It's neither. It's neither one. Anyway, um, we we see it every year. It's like why is there's this weird like the categorization because things don't easily fit into different boxes, and exactly. but you have to put them in these boxes apparently for awards, and it ends up with the kind of weirdness I'm sure we're about to talk about. Yeah, and that's why I want to talk about it with all of you. Make sure it's clear for everyone listening and watching what Jeff Keighley and the team put out there for Game of the Year. So, you have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Wonder, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Gary, those are your big six for 2023 at the Game Awards. What do you think? I mean... I think this year, as much as we've said it's going to be hard to pick a game of the year because there's so many great games, yeah. I don't think it's hard to pick a top five or six because it's obvious what many of them are going to be, right? Mm -hmm. Alan Wake 2, of course. Baldur's Gate 3, of course. Spider-Man 2, of course. I haven't played Resident Evil um, 4, but I know it's very well liked. And then um, Mario Brothers Wonder and, and, of course, Zelda. Like, Zelda, Baldur's Gate 3, and Alan Wake 2, I think, have always been nailed on. Um, the only ones I, th I don't know what, like, the only ones that I've heard, like felt like could have got in there, but didn't, um, street fighter six. Remember we talked about how driving racing games and fighting games always get mm -hmm. kind, kind of, of a the short shaft. trip when yeah, it comes yeah. to the overall uh -huh. award. Uh, you may be seeing that again here. Um, Starfield, although I don't think there's necessarily that much of a debate, but like it was, it was such a big game that prior to it coming out, I think a lot of people might have expected to see it on, on this list. Cause the, mm -hmm. aspir you know, the mm -hmm. aspirations for its expectations were so high. Um, and maybe Armored Core 6, but like, what, I mean, what's, like, I guess the question is like, what's missing? Like, what should be on that list, but isn't? Is there really anything? Because it feels pretty solid to me. Paris, what's missing on this list? When you look at this big six, is there something truly missing from this? 
to, to Gary's point, no, I don't think anything's missing. I, I would say the surprise to me was Resident Evil 4 because it was a remake, right? Even though people obviously really loved that game and wanted to play it, I was surprised that that made the final six. I wouldn't, it would not have shocked me to have seen Final Fantasy 16 or Diablo 4. Oh, or Final Fantasy 16, that's the other one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Starfield uh, make, it, make it into there. Um, I, I, you know, I've obviously said on my personal list a game like Sea of Stars potentially could have been a game of the year candidate, but, you know, it being more of an indie title, I, I didn't think it truly make the final six. But I do want to circle back on, on Starfield because when I, I think about the things that I've seen this week, People looking at this list and people being the most upset about it has been Starfield. While I personally like just take our review of Starfield, just hear it kind of funny, just just the various opinions between I, I would say myself and Greg are probably the highest on the game, but everybody else is mixed. And I think when you take just the general voting population of, of the media that, that voted, you know, on these nominees, that's the consensus. There's a lot of mixed feelings about it. I personally enjoyed it. It has its shortcomings that we've talked about, but was I surprised to not see them on the top six? No, I think it's in that top 10 range, but to get to that final six of the game of the year, it's, it's not a surprise to me, despite what I may personally feel about the game. Um, I just think the overall consensus of it is, no, I did not think it would, would be on that final nomination list. The, um, the only other one that I would add, that I would bring up, and it's tricky, right? Because if you add something else, the question is, okay, well, then what do you take out, right? Correct. The problem is they're all yeah. so worthy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily the best game of the year, but my most played game of the year, probably my favorite game of the year was Diablo 4. You know it. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that is when Diablo 4 first came out, everybody it was, oh my God, Blizzard is back. This has the Diablo vibes. Like they, they finally got the recipe back. Like this is what we wanted. And it was, I played so much of it. I loved Diablo 4. I was playing it all the time. I was obsessed with it for a good while. Uh, even into the seasonal content, I made a second character and, and got into it. If you had have frozen that in time, like during the launch period, when everyone was really high on Diablo 4, it would absolutely be on this list. But the problem is, these games don't exist as a snapshot in time anymore. They're live service games. And by the time the nominations came up, the vibes with Diablo 4 had kind of fallen off of a cliff. Yep. Because the, the end game and the seasonal content stuff started to rub people the wrong way. And Diablo 4 had a, had a crazy like, oh, it was so good, but oh, now it's bad. Now we don't like what you're doing with it now. Like it was good, but you've messed it up with the patches and the seasonal content. So if you, I can understand if you're voting and looking at the state of Diablo 4 at this moment, you, I think there's a strong argument why, why it wouldn't be on the list. But when it first came out, it's just interesting because again, games no, yeah, now you totally. have to judge them over the, 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 the whole time they've been out. But like the only, I mean, I'm telling you, if it was like the games I've enjoyed most this year, Diablo 4 would absolutely be on there. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It's very interesting because Paul Tassi actually wrote an article about Diablo 4 and where it was right. to where what it became and now where it is right now and yeah. it's actually mm -hmm. much better than where it was right it did have that initial season one big nerf people were not pleased with it they publicly came out and apologized they course corrected and fixed that and Paul Tassi was stating hey it's in a much better place right now yeah, but they, we back. only think about where it was when it took right. a bad turn yeah, right and we now. talked about how it's hard to get players back once you've annoyed mm -hmm. them and the 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 Paid DLC, right? That is looks. People were excited about that at BlizzCon, so it may, you know, it could be on the upswing again. But for right now, it just wasn't. They 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 didn't keep it up where it needed to be to get into the awards nominations. Oh, just by the way, since we're talking about the joysticks, if you're interested in, um, just you know, I don't know, like sometimes they say like early award ceremonies like can be an indicator or a bellwether of like how the others are going to go. Oh, I don't know how if you're familiar with how the awards went, but Baldur's Gate three 
ran the table. Yeah, it's going to run the table. They had a guy at the Bethesda table at the Golden Joysticks who had to do a shot every time Baldur's Gate 3 won an award. <laughs> I felt so sorry for that guy by the end. I think they probably had to carry him out. But like, <laughs> honestly, I don't, even, I don't know why the Larian guys even bothered sitting at their table because by the time they got back with their award, they had to go back and get another one. They absolutely <laughs> ran the table. And I think that might end up being the story when the whole award season is over. Yeah. I think Alan Wake 2, Zelda, other games are in there as well in the mix with Baldur's Gate 3. But I think my prediction, when it's all over, Baldur's Gate 3 is, it will have run away with it. Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah. I think it will too. But you know, another game we, we didn't mention, or did we? I, I don't think we mentioned was Jedi Survivor. That, right. That's another one as well. That in any other year, you absolutely would have seen it in that top six list. But there's just there's just so many games. It's just such mean, a just, stacked just, year. And yeah. that's also similar with uh, Diablo 4. Like it launched with a lot of tech problems for a varying mm -hmm. amount of people as well. So uh, that's another one that people just think about, like the launch and how, how it ran and stuff. Which, yeah, especially on PC. PC yeah. was rough. Uh, of course, those are your big six. Notice uh, some red, some blue, not seeing any green in there. Of course, that's going to be kind of the theme that we're going to talk about because Xbox did have a good 2023. There was a couple of missteps, but when you look back at the whole picture, the full year, we actually had a surprisingly strong year from Team Xbox on the first party side and what they delivered. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but I do want to kick it to the next nomination, which is Best Game Direction awarded for Outstanding Creative Vision and Innovation in Game Direction and Design. That will be Alan Wake 2. So when I look at this, Gary, I'm going to give you the list. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. So once again, the theme, no Xbox titles up here, Gary. Do you think that any of the Xbox titles from Hi-Fi Rush, Diablo 4, Starfield should be in this category? Bald, uh, I don't know, but I don't know if anything's really missing from that category. I think Baldur's Gate 3 and Spider-Man 2 are both phenomenally directed. The opening 20 minutes of Spider-Man 2 is up there with like, like my highlights of the gaming year. I just mm -hmm. thought it was phenomenal. And that's just, that's just getting started. But when you look at what Alan Wake 2 is doing, that's on another level entirely. I, I th if, there's, if there's a lock on any category, it's Alan Wake 2 in this category. I like that. Paris, do you agree with that? Yeah, it's like I look at this top five and I can't argue against any of them. But it, when we talk about Team Green, this is where I think Hi-Fi Rush kind of got screwed mm. a little bit. Yeah, maybe because so. Because I think it because it, it, it suffers from coming out so early in the year that I think it's not top of mind for a lot of people when it comes to something like this. But if you think about game direction and what they were able to do, I mean, yeah, Tangle nailed it. I think they it suffers did. from just being a smaller game because Zelda, yeah, Zelda came out mm -hmm. earlier in the year as well. And it's, it's right up there because it's Zelda. Yeah, let's highlight Team Green really quick. And let's talk about your Xbox first party studios and games that came out this year. Four games were recognized from your first-party studios. It was three. We're going to add on Diablo because the Activision deal did go through. So, you you know, you can pick where you want to go. It's either three or four. But four games recognized with a total of ten nominations between them. So your highlights right now, Forza Motorsport was nominated for two, Innovation and Accessibility and Best Sports and Racing Game. Hi-Fi Rush 
takes home the most nominations for Team Green with Best Art Direction, Best Score in Music, Best Audio Design, Innovation and Accessibility, and Best Action Game. Starfield gets one nomination with Best RPG and Diablo 4 with Innovation and Accessibility and Best Multiplayer. So I want to give a shout out to, of course, our four games recognized for Team Green. Ten nominations between them. And a big highlight here that I know we celebrate a lot, but it is awesome to see Microsoft and Xbox at the front of it is innovation and accessibility. Three out of the six nominations went to an Xbox first party game. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on team Xbox for continuing to push accessibility into the forefront, allowing more players to play no matter how they play. I think that was a really big highlight, right? If you're not going to be on the game of the year, big six, what is the team doing? It is awesome to see them continuing to make strides in that area. So congratulations to them. But yeah, that's what I want to talk about with you guys is when you look at this, right? We talk about game of the year, no Xbox first party title, best action and adventure game, no Diablo or Starfield on that list and best action game, no Diablo or Starfield, but Dead Island 2 makes the list for that. Very surprising that those two games, some big starters here are not making some of these bigs lists that I thought they would be in. Starfield in particular, which obviously was the big, it's Xbox's biggest game this year. Do you think that looking back on it, it will be seen as um, an aspect of failure that the game is not a major awards contender? Like before, like when, the hype was, when the hype was happening earlier in the year and they were announcing the release date and like 20 years in the making and it's Bethesda and all this stuff, I would think if you ask the Bethesda people internally or if you, if you ask just people in general, do you, would you, do you think it's a reasonable expectation that this will be a major awards player at the end of the year? I think most people would have said yes, but it's not. So do you think that's an indication that Starfield kind of ended up, I don't know, disappointing people? Yeah, Paris, I want to go to you with this one because it is a very interesting one. We've had this conversation of like, in the future, we're going to look at Starfield differently. It's going to grow and evolve. But right now with what it is, did it really not accomplish what it set out to do? Because when I look at it, I think that is a great game that delivers the best experience across all creative and technical fields. The things you can do in Starfield, I think you're in that. Then I look at Best Game Direction, awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. I think Starfield's in that. And I especially think Diablo is in both of those categories as well. I, I am a little surprised that Bethesda not in this at all. And I know I'm rooting for the home team, but... Uh, what they did with shipbuilding, the colonies that you can build, the thousands of planets you can land on, the storylines, the quests, where your player's at the forefront. I thought Bethesda delivered on another great Bethesda RPG, but I seem to be in the minority, Paris. So we, we, you know, we know Todd Howard listens, watches this show. He told us so. So to answer your question, I can't imagine that Todd Howard did not think going into this that this would be up for multiple awards. How, how could he not? I mean, just the reputation, the resume alone of past games says that's what Starfield should be, plus the lessons learned that they got from Fallout 76. So I will say from my own personal standpoint to see like all these categories that you just ran down that the, that the game was not nominated for outside of game of the year, we already talked about that, but there are other categories beyond just RPG that Starfield should have at least been nominated in. So, so it is surprising in that way. And, and to what Gary was saying, do, do I think you have to look at it as a disappointment? I would say overall, no. 
because just look at the NPD numbers that we've had for the last two months for September and, and October. People are playing this game. People are enjoying this game. You know, the average gamer that is picking up Starfield is playing it, enjoying it, doing some just outrageous things with some of these ambitious outposts and ships that they're creating and going through the story and, and all these things. We know, again, you review the game for what it was at the time, but we see what Starfield is starting to become and what it will become, you know, in, in the next next year or two. And it, yeah, I, I, I think overall, this is a game that Xbox can look Xbox and Bethesda can look back at 10 years from now and be proud of of what they did. I do think they did some innovative things in this. Again, sure, there's some other things that, that we've nitpicked and we wish they improved upon, but we're already starting to see it from a technical standpoint. They finally added on the PC side, you know, added the FOV slider. DLSS is in there. Frame generation is in there now. They're starting to improve the performance of it. Um, you know, we know that expansion, it's coming. They can listen to feedback from the community and improve upon some things when that happens. Obviously, all the stuff the mod community is doing. This is a Bethesda RPG. This is, a, if someone were to ask me, should you go play Starfield? Absolutely. If you love Bethesda RPGs, you want to go, go play that game. So in that aspect, sure, in an unprecedented year of games, it not getting the nominations that I might think it deserves is a bummer. But I think overall being a game that you want to go play. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything to hold their heads. But, you know, oh, no, and, and down just so we're all. clear, I don't, I don't mean to suggest that just because it didn't get, it's not going to be in a major awards, a major awards play. Cause it's not, it won't, we know now that right. it won't be right. Like the joy, we already had one big awards ceremony. We now know the nominations for another big one mm -hmm. already. The trends are emerging, right? The, the, the big games are the ones that we thought they were going to be. There's no real surprises here. And the fact that Starfield isn't in the game of the year mix isn't that much of a surprise. Not because the game is bad, it's very good. But again, if it, oh man, if it had just come out any other year, what a, what a, what a yeah. bad year. Right? Yeah, any that's year, what it is. Right? It's so yeah. stacked. But I'm just saying like, no, you're absolutely, I'm, I'm just asking, is it, is it like an, is it an, is it like an, is it a disappointing aspect of the game that it didn't end up being an amazing because you're right. I think Todd and the Bethesda people would that certainly would have an aspiration. Yeah, of course it should be up there for game of the year. Like we shoot for the moon, but it's not. And, and I, I think part of that is the game. I think for some people didn't deliver the way they wanted it to because it was so hyped. Uh, that's the danger with hyping something up too much is you raise the bar very very high and makes it easier to come in under it. But also just again just look at these other games and specifically and this is the real heartbreak. I think if you worked on Starfield and unlike awards. It's an RPG. Baldur's Gate 3 is going to crush it. Like, it, it, just, mm -hmm. it just is. Like, it's absolutely, we're just in the RPG category. That's done. That award's kind of, that, that been won. Like, we, all, we already know that. Um, and so it's going to struggle in its own category as well, just because there's just so much competition in that category. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, it's tough. it dropped in a year with Zelda and Baldur's Gate. That, yeah. That's what the can you do? Right there. Yeah, what can you do? It's two monsters. I'm interested really quick, Mike, of uh, why you think it got snubbed for action and action adventure. Because I don't, and I'm, I was talking to the our live Patreon chat, which you could be a part of over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Uh, I don't think of action or action adventure when I think of Starfield is my thing, you know? When That's I think of action game, I do think of Liza P. I mm -hmm. do think of... Um, the vampire game that Tim really likes that's super actiony. I'm blanking on it right now. Um, I think of Hi-Fi Rush. When I think action-adventure, I'm thinking of, like, more story, like, 
more linear story focused kind of things that aren't these huge sprawling like RPGs. So I, I was curious to hear of like why you think it got snubbed in those categories. Yeah, I, I think when you come down to action and adventure, adventure is at the core of Starfield. It is the core of all Bethesda titles. It is the ex exploration, the overwhelming joy of going out and adventuring into a world that it has so many unknowns can right? you be at the game awards i know every place does it differently can you be nominated in more than one category could starfield have been nominated for rpg uh, and for action adventure yeah 100%. Yes. okay mm -hmm. yeah yeah it could Absolutely. be nominated okay. for many and so when we look at best action and adventure you have alan wake marvel spider-man 2 resident evil 4 star wars jedi survivor the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom right Starfield could easily be placed into that, I think. It could, just but again, like this conversation again, who, seems but again to who do you knock out? Correct. Right? There's, is, there's no weak link in that chain. It's a solid year with some incredible titles, and it is tough to get in the mix. But I, I think Bethesda titles at its core are incredible adventure experiences and for sure are in that category and in that realm. Is it better than one of these five that we just listed? Maybe, maybe not. It's up to the beholders who vote on this stuff. Yeah. Let's celebrate a team that did really well, and that's Tango Gameworks. Of course, you got to give the flowers where they're due. Hi-Fi Rush has been nominated for five different categories here, and I want to go around the room. What do you think they'll win, Paris Lilly? You got best art direction. Do you think it's walking away with that? Uh, I wish I had the other ones in front of me right now because I, I know that's a stack a stacked one. Give me just a second. There you go. So yeah, that's Alan Wake yeah. 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and Tears of the Kingdom. I think it has a shot. I, I would give it a, a fair shot at winning. I don't look at the other ones and think there's a clear-cut runaway. Oh, I aspect. do. Don't you I think Alan Wake 2 is gonna be the one to beat there? <clears throat> Best art direction, okay. Maybe. I mean, I, I, you, you spend five minutes on Twitter looking at some of the, the screen grabs that people post. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. You know? I like that. Um, I will say there's a tremendous amount of good sentiment. When I was at the Joystick, so many people were like, oh, I hope Hi-Fi Rush wins something. Yeah. And when it was nominated and they did it like, Hi-Fi Rush! And everyone went, whoa! Like, people were yeah. really... There's a lot of goodwill out there for Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if it did something. Up next, best score and music right here. Hi-Fi Rush going up against a strong... Five stack here. Another one where I feel like Starfield could have been in the mix. I think Starfield mm -hmm. has an incredible score. I think it really. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Really ramps up the music during some of these open world situations, but Hi-Fi Rush, Gary. This is one where Hi-Fi Rush, think? I think, has a good shot because music is so central to the experience. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a core, core aspect of the game. But yeah. the Baldur's Gate 3 uh, score, though, Woo! that's going to be a good. tough one. It is yeah. good. 
Good. And Tears Final Fantasy like, 16 score was yeah, good, I, too. I can't argue against that. And then yep. me personally, like, Tears of the Kingdom is so emotional. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Going down, you have best audio design here on this next category. Could be fitting in here. Might be a place to steal a win for Tango Gameworks and the team. That's Alan Wake 2, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Spider-Man 2, and Resident Evil 4. And this is again where I, I think they have a really good shot, but it's like to Gary's point, it's like Alan Wake 2 just keeps running into all of this where I think they did such a phenomenal job on, on so many different levels. But I think this is a good one for him. And the mm-hmm. final one, of course, best action game going to be a stacked category in there as well that will have Armored Core 6, Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush and Remnant 2. I haven't played enough of these to have an opinion. I think our, I think this is Armor Core Ar- 6. Armor I was going to say Blessing would say it's Armor Core yeah. 6. I would say AC, sure. this is AC6's category <laughs> yeah, to lose, yeah. honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, I also think that this is the only category that AC6 has a chance at winning. Because I, I think it's maybe nominated for one or two other things. I might be wrong on that, but... I want AC6 to walk away with something. And this is one as well where I could see Diablo fitting into this no problem. For best game in action genre focused primarily on combat, Diablo is all about combat. I guess Diablo is an action. If you ask me to like, this is the problem with the wars. You've got to put them in boxes. Not all games belong in in an easily definable box. Mm -hmm. If you ask me what genre Diablo 4 is, I'd say action RPG. So maybe maybe you you get two shots at it. Uh, I am surprised that Diablo is not in that, especially with Dead Island 2 surprisingly making it onto the list. Uh, I am still stunned at that 48 hours after nomination. Still stunned Because you were not a fan, right? No, I I did not think that Saints Row and Dead Island were good comebacks to these series. Uh, They had some shining moments, but a lot more uh, dull moments in in my opinion. So I am surprised at that. But I mean, still... Four games being recognized, 10 in total nominations, a very strong year for Xbox, and a good year, right? And that's where I kind of wanted to shift us as, you know, it's easy to say, hey, why isn't Team Green up on the big six? No game of the year nominations. That's heartbreaking. That's crushing because that is where we want these first-party studios to start going and heading on delivering really high-quality and incredible games that all love. But when we talk about the year, We've had an impressive year, and I want to talk about it really quick with you two. We start off in January where we had Hi-Fi Rush, GoldenEye 007. Then we move in to Age of Empires 2 on console. Ghostwire Tokyo gets an Xbox version. Minecraft Legends, Redfall in May in the summer. Quake 2 Remastered, Age of Empires 4, Starfield, and Forza Motorsports all come out in this year and then of course your late editions are diablo 4 and call of duty modern warfare 3 with this active uh acquisition. Oh, you get to retroactively apply those yeah, I, I don't like doing that but i know the audience yeah, will I be would, like I oh yeah, yeah I, I personally would not do that right like i think I you think didn't next earn year you that. start doing that but yeah, pe- people year. are going to be down me uh, they're going to be on top of me going no 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 you have to call <laughs> it now like that mike so that's yeah. that's why i'm 50 50 on the fence i personally would not but we'll call it for right now but i mean a great year. I won't call it a great year. Oh, really? Based, yeah. based on the list of games that you just yeah, let, yeah. I would say I would say a good year. I won't call it a great one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tell me why. I Is it the quality just, of the I, games? I just don't. The 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 list. I just don't think the list of games that you read off there, based on my experience both of playing them and being and, and hearing the conversation around them, mm-hmm. is impressive enough to 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 qualify for the word great. Right. I think it's a good year. Okay. Okay. I think I, I think Phil would agree with you, with me. 
With, it, Look, hey, Xbox should do much better than this, and that's the hope mm. is that they will going forward. Don't forget, it wasn't that far long ago that we were, we were on the Lcast with Redfall and Hey, Blade. hey, now it's a tough start to the year. I agree, Gary. I right? agree. And so again, I think the reason why we're not seeing Xbox more in the awards mix this year. Certainly not in the game of the year. Right, there's, there's Nintendo exclusive titles in game of the year, PlayStation exclusive titles, no Xbox mm-hmm. exclusive titles. Right, the only ones that are on there are multi multi plat titles. Um, it's it's simply because this this year the way things worked out, Xbox put all their chips on Starfield. It came up a little bit short in a stacked year, and it's as simple as that. I like that. I mean, for me, Gary, I look at it as a great year of the amount of content that you received as an Xbox player was a lot, right? It is impressive to see that there was 10 Xbox first-party releases in this year that doesn't include those two or those two Activision titles right there. That is a lot of content finally coming out of the first-party slates, right? Sure, not up to the quality level or the big bangers that we want, but to give us 10 games throughout a 12-month period plus a lot of great titles and third-party partnerships with Game Pass, this finally felt like a year where it's like, yes, Xbox, I can see the vision of where we want to be, where we need to be, and this, to me as a consumer, is why I want to pay $15 a month for Game Pass Ultimate to get those day one first-party games to get those third-party partnerships in Game Pass. This is why I'm in the ecosystem. But, yes, I do agree with you that I need better titles. I yeah, expect a little I, bit better, and but I firmly, it's good. I firmly believe that I that we are turning the corner. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to – I was the one who called it the L-Cast. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be going, oh, no, but everything in the Xbox Garden is rosy when it's not. I, I do – I'm optimistic. I do think that we're turning the corner. I think with the Bethesda and the ABK acquisitions and all that coming online – you're going to start to see the whole, ex, you know, where are the games on Xbox argument go away as better and better stuff starts coming through the pipeline. But looking back, looking back on where we are now, and we're close enough to the end of the year to assess yeah. 2023, was this a great year for Xbox games? No. Let, let's take out the word great and good. Let's go F to A. Give me a grade on the grading scale. Where, where do you fall on the grade? Give me a B minus. Okay, I like that. So I, I, I'm on a B. I'm on a B to B plus. Which is where I'm at. Paris, where you at? What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably around a B as, as well. But I, I do want to elaborate on what both of you were just talking about. I, th- I think you were both spot on in your assessment because I'm, I'm leaning more towards where, what you're saying, Mike, because it's like, how do you want to view it? Do you view it overall of, of what Xbox like? Has Xbox as an ecosystem given you enough in 2023 to say hey i can live in this ecosystem and play a lot of fun games from the first party from third party indie etc obviously throw game pass all that stuff into it as well i think they did a pretty good job with that but i also want to say this i actually think believe it or not and we were involved in this i think our phil spencer interview i think redfall and that phil interview was probably one of the best things to happen to xbox because you can't tell me that after Redfall and after having the CEO of, of Xbox come out and take the hit for everybody over the shortcoming that of got, that. Remember, that got a lot of headlines at the time that we oh, did it that. Did. It 100, 100% did. But, but the point I'm making is, and I think we're already seeing it, is internally they've, they've changed some of their workflow and, and how that works. I mean, think about it now. Matt Booty now oversees 
everything and but that like you know his, his job has expanded sarah bond is is the president of xbox now you know what i mean they they've added a new head of xbox game studios as well i you can't tell me they're not gonna make they're gonna make sure that mistake doesn't happen again because of of we're calling it a b i'd be leaning more b plus maybe a minus if they didn't have the misstep with redfall right and and to your point gary and it feels like we say this every year but i think we truly are i i almost look at 2023 is at 2023 as well 2022 they basically had nothing other than pentiment so 2023 was kind of let's get on track year i feel like they're on track and and phil said it during that interview it's like i'm tired of talking about it but i can see it i see where the roadmap is and where things are headed and just the stuff that we know that's already coming in 2024 leans towards that so i i think yeah i i, I do think xbox is in a really good place and with a couple more games that actually land and hit they're going to be in a great place. Yeah, and, you it's, know, we know we. Yeah, and if ahead. we're making the argument for Xbox, and again, without wanting to sound like a platform warrior, I still think like I would <laughs> not hesitate to recommend an Xbox to someone just based on game. There's so Correct. much good stuff on Game Pass. But if you're talking about the kind of conversation we have at the end of the year, like what are the big eye-catching titles that everyone's talking about that create buzz? Nintendo clearly has those for this year. Yep. Sony clearly has those for this year. So Microsoft had. Okay, Hi-Fi Rush, fine. Yes, it's very good, but it was, you know, it's not the kind of game that's going to get people, like, you know, exploding with excitement because it's a smaller game. Triple A, they had Redfall, which was a massive disappointment. And Starfield, which I think many people would also say was a little bit of a disappointment, right? So that they don't have that one thing they can hang their hat on and say, yeah, but this, this was the story of our year. Yeah. And that is an optics problem. But yeah, and I, yeah. I, I agree with Paris. It's a transitional year. Sunlit uplands ahead. But it was, it was, a, it was a tricky year for Xbox. Let's talk about what's coming to your Xbox platform right now. Thanks to Game Pass. Here's your Game Pass update for the second half of November. Man, time is flying. Happy holidays to you and yours out there. Of course, today you have Coral Island on cloud and Xbox Series X and S. Of course, November 17th, we'll see Persona 5 Tactica come to cloud, console, and PC. Then Dune Spice Wars coming cloud and console November 28th. And rounding out the month will be Roller Drome on cloud, PC, and Xbox Series X and S on November 28th as well. Some great titles coming your way for Game Pass. And a big one I want to highlight is the Grounded Make It and Break It updates. We talked about it last week. This is really, really cool stuff. I actually got to see it behind the scenes being used and how you can create different experiences inside of Grounded in the Backyard. Truly and honestly, if you're into Forge, if you're into user-generated content, whether you like to play it or create it, what the team over at Grounded and Obsidian have done is something wild and something special. I encourage all of you, if you're even semi-interested, go give it a try because watching the demo live and in person, I was stunned at what this small team had created for this fun game. So shout out to them for that one. Go, Paris. Paris. I, I want to go back to the Game Awards snub thing for Team Green just oh, for tell one me. second. Yeah, yeah. Two games that got screwed in a certain category. Best community support, Halo Infinite, 343 got screwed, and Rare got screwed for Sea of Thieves. How in the hell is Sea of Thieves not in there every year? Every year. Do they, they have like a there. best ongoing category or something? Yeah, they do. Well, yeah, yeah. And Monkey That's Island? What I meant, I meant, the, I meant the ongoing. Yeah, I meant yeah. the ongoing. Actually, thanks for the correction. That that was my point. Ongoing. How, how the hell is Sea of Thieves not an ongoing? How? 
It's a great call. Yeah. Great call. Is there an Xbox bias at the Game Awards, Mike? <laughs> Let's fucking get it. Let's Gary, let's, 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 get, let's, let's create some headlines. Let's do some shit. Why? Why is, is Gre- Jeff Keighley an Xbox hater? <laughs> and has he put his thumb on the scale <laughs> at the Game Awards? Jeff's got to answer for this, Gary. Right? Clearly, he's going to answer for this. Not Maybe next week. The, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just asking questions, Mike. Yeah. I love that you. I'm not you, making any accusations. It, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> I do my own research. We're going to continue asking those questions all the way up to award season with all of you in early December. But this is where we're going to hit a pause because I have a special interview that you don't want to miss about voice actors and AI and what's going on for the future of gamers out there. We're going to tell you all about that right after this. Welcome back, everyone. We are here today with a very special guest. Of course, if you're watching live, we've said goodbye to Paris, but we have been joined by a voice actor you may have heard in some recent titles like Starfield, maybe Baldur's Gate 3, or some of your all-time favorites. It's the incredible Sissy Jones coming to talk with me and Gary on the X-Cast. And we have a really cool topic of discussion. It's voice acting and AI, which I'm really excited to hear from you because you and I, last week, a lot of people got to see us. We brought together some voice actors from Starfield. We got to rap and talk about Starfield and your experience. But we talked a little bit about AI and what it's doing in your area of expertise. But I want to start off, Sissy, of course, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my cat refused to be outside of the booth, so say hello to Mocha as well. Um, <laughs> Mocha's joining I'm us, good. which I I'm love. I'm, Sissy. I'm actually really excited to talk about this with you oh, guys. Thank you. Well, for people who might not know, you or some of your roles can you run down some of your accolades of course you just got you were just nominated for a golden joystick for all the work that you did this year so congratulations on that nomination but you know you've done some incredible roles that always make my eyes perk up and i'm sure will be the same for the audience so could you run down some of the titles you've done sure i was prostitute in gta no i'm just kidding I feel like Troy McClure. You may know me from such <laughs> titles as. Um, I was Delilah in Firewatch. I was nine characters throughout The Walking Dead, which is where I met Gary. That's right. Uh, including Katya, Jolene, Bree, um, Norma, uh, I, Joyce Price in Life is Strange, The Oracle in Call of Duty, um, The Absolute in Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Some amazing stuff there. And of course, Starfield for all the best friends out there Starfield, watching. Starfield, yes. And Lilith Clawthorne in uh, The Owl House on Disney for animation fans out there. Oh, God, my daughter is the biggest fan of The Owl House. What's the name of the character you play on The Owl House? Lilith. Lilith. I'm going to have to tell her that because she is obsessed with The Owl House. (laughs) Well, hit me up later and I'll send you some swag. I I have so much stuff. I think you might finally have made me cool in the eyes of my (laughs) 11-year-old. Oh, that's a big deal. No, seriously, I will absolutely hit you up. Now, Sissy... Of course, we can run down all of your incredible accolades all day long. We can talk about the stories of you getting in the booth and bringing voices and characters to all these people that we love. But let's talk about AI and voice acting because it is a hot-button topic in the gaming world right now. We just saw Microsoft sign a deal for AI tools and game development. But, of course, for you, (laughs) on the voice acting side, it's a little bit different. There is some uncertainty. There is some worry, right? I mean, I can say it right now. I'm on the internet, I'm scrolling TikTok, I hear the AI voice all the time. I hear an AI Drake song that I think is really Drake, but it's not Drake. So what is it for you when it comes down to AI and voice acting? What's going on and what can you tell us? 
Yeah, I mean, the scary thing is that it's really easy to steal someone's voice. It just is. Um, I am currently on multiple AI database websites without my consent. Um, basically, somebody out there somewhere took recordings of mine that are publicly available, and that could be anything from the Owl House or games that I've done to um, Instagram live videos or your outgoing voicemail message. And in this they interview right now. Claim... Mm-hmm. They can claim ownership of that and upload it to a website and uh, create a digital double of you like that. And so um, there are multiple websites out there that allow that. I have reached out to so many and asked them to take my voice down. Um, that's been honored by a couple and a couple of others. I received the digital equivalent of a middle finger. Um, so it's it's a lot. It's really scary. It's a really scary time. Um, and in addition to not having consent over my voice being turned into a digital double, I then also don't have consent over what my voice is being used to say, um, which is really scary and increasingly difficult to tell uh, the real voice from the digital voice. Um, you know, when we, I, I work with the National Association of Voice Actors, it's a, a nonprofit advocacy group for voice actors. When we started really digging into this last year, the beginning of 2022, it took about 10 hours of recorded audio to have a believable digital double. Beginning of this year, it takes two to three. What do you want to guess it is right now? Gary, take a guess, because I, I know now, I know. I, 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 I'm terrified, just tell me. Three seconds. That quick. Mute your mic. Yep. So. What are we doing about it? I'm so glad you asked. Um, with Nava, who is just the best of us, the people that started Nava really are incredible human beings. The, the association was started with the intent of offering access to healthcare for voice actors that don't qualify under SAG, and they did it. They offer access to healthcare for our members, which is amazing. Um, but then we quickly got pulled into uh, the AI discussion. So. With Nava, we were able to publish on our website a framework for how we wanted to see AI and voiceover coexist in an ethical way. Um, we have put together with attorneys who have donated, donated their time uh, a digital writer that can be added to any contract that basically says you will not take my uh, audition or recording sessions and use them to feed machine learning and create a digital version of my voice. Um, if you do, it will require a separate negotiation and payment. Um, they literally just this week were in DC meeting with lawmakers to help craft the language that's going to go into national legislation um, because voiceover, quite frankly, is an afterthought for a lot of people, you know, uh, outside of the industry, people don't really think of voiceover as being an actual job. So, um, you know, a lot of things, laws and stuff that are being crafted weren't done with just your voice in mind. For example, uh, you know, there are multiple banks that will allow you to use your voice as your password. Hi, this is Sissy Jones. My voice is my password. Um, can't do that anymore, but your voice is not uh, a part of your biometric data. So the Office of Copyright does not view your voice as uh, copyrighted material. Um, we also did a, a roundtable with the Federal Trade Commission about what they need to consider uh, with artists whose work is being stolen. Um, and used to, to feed machine learning. So Nava has really been at the forefront, um, just fighting every day in every way uh, for voice actors, union, non-union, worldwide. Uh, it's incredible. Wow. 
Yeah, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this one with you. You bring up Nava, which is very interesting to talk about what they've done already and what now they want to do with you. Of course, the healthcare I find so fascinating and exciting. Like, wow, they did that, right? And so now yeah. here we are with AI. And of course, when we talk about healthcare, what did it take to get to that point? Was it a buy-in from voice actors all around the globe to believe in this? Is that what it's going to take for the AI side of things as well? So I think originally um, there was a, a skepticism that it could be done, which of course only fueled the fire. Uh, Tim Friedlander and Karin Gilfrey, who are the founders of Nava, um, are relentless and just truly, really genuinely good human beings. And they were like, you know, we lost one of our own in COVID. Uh, Brad Venable was a, a terrific human being. And they said, we don't want to see this happen needlessly to anybody else that we care about. So let's make this happen. And by God, they did. You know, they sent out a, a survey to their community of people and basically said, would this be interesting? And the vast majority wrote back and said, yes, if you can make it happen, sounds great. Um, and so they did. And they launched last November. We actually just passed. And I say we and they interchangeably. I do sit on the board. Um, but Tim and Karin are the founders and, and really the face of Nava. Um, we just passed our one year anniversary and we've been able to do this much this, this quickly. It's, it's remarkable. Um, and anyway, uh, they started with healthcare that ended up going really well. And then I pulled them into the AI discussion after I found my voice all over the place. And, uh, they've been just amazing. You know, they've been able to get attorneys to volunteer their time, uh, not only for the, the legal writer, but also for, uh, legal consults. Um, we've done 75 town halls around the world talking about what language to look out for in contracts, um, talking with non-union communities around the United States, talking, working alongside SAG on multiple things, um, just relentless, truly relentless. Now, when it comes to the gaming side of things, let's talk about voice acting and gaming and now the use of AI. Of course, we've seen some stories in the gaming world already. Recently, the finals has come out with a small chunk of their game using voice acting of AI to put into this quote unquote beta, the early phases of this game. But it is not you. It is not a voice actor behind this. And we're finding out more and more. Maybe it is going to be used more. Where does that stand for you as a voice actor, of course, and the job, but then the future of Will this one day not have you and other talented voice actors in the industry? It's really scary, you know, and not just for me. You know, I feel like I, I, I've, I've had a good run. I, I would love to do this till the day I drop. But uh, what's really scary is that this is going to kill any entry level jobs for anybody that sees this as their dream job. NPCs, gone. Um, you know, dubbing additional voices, gone. Um, voice match gone. It's 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 just there's a way that we can do this that includes everybody, and there's a way that we can do this that is a systematic annihilation of the industry. And the thing is, it's not just voice actors that will be wiped out. It is studio owners and sound editors and directors, and you know it, it, the list goes on and on and on and on about the people that will be affected if this is allowed to run rampant. I don't think it's any surprise that national legislation is woefully behind the technology. Um, again, Nava has been at the forefront of that, really meeting this week with multiple senators' offices and congresspeople and, you know, Chairperson Khan from the FTC and on and on. But um, there has to be 
of uh, consideration given to the human cost of AI. I know it's neat. I know it's a cool tool. I also worked in tech for 10 years. I know that you don't take technology backwards. The genie is here. We can't stuff it back in the bottle, but we can work with it if we are given the chance. Now, we'll go Gary. Yeah, please. No, no, no. I, I, look, don't get me started. You know, I could I could go all day um, and I don't want to turn into political Gary, but the truth is it's hard to talk about this without touching on like the broader implications. Of course. I've been, I'm 50 years old and my entire life I've loved technology. The latest technology that comes along, oh, great, what can we do? It's super excited about it. So early adopter, I love all the new things. This is the first time in my living memory that I've thought, okay, let's slow down a minute because this is actually scary because it came on very, very quickly. We weren't even talking about this shit two years ago, and now it's like a major factor in our lives. And like, as Sissy says, it only goes, it can only go forward and evolve and start to exponentially grow. And I think AI in many fields can be wonderful. It's, be, it's being used to you know, um, study genes and find disease. AI-controlled uh, firefighter drones that can get into you know, like high the tower fires that you, know, you couldn't otherwise reach. Um, somebody, uh, somebody wrote... A tweet yesterday that really summed it up for me, and I, I won't—I I don't remember who wrote it. But I think it was brilliant. It said, "Can't we just use AI to like pick trash out of the ocean? Do, do they all need to be screenwriters?" Like, I just thought that was a brilliant way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. And I think I think AI is—it's amazing technology. And I've messed around with Midjourney and ChatGPT. It's fun, right? Until you start to think, "Oh shit!" There's a YouTube channel that is basically just a fake, an AI Trump and an AI Biden in a never-ending political debate. And it's funny until you realize I honestly can't tell the difference from these voices of the real ones. You hear a clip on the radio now or whatever, like it's becoming truly scary. And I guess my line in the sand is like, yes, robots, AI, all this stuff can be tremendously useful to humanity. But where I start to get squeamish, anytime they're being asked now to replicate, because that's all they can do is replicate, imitate, mimic. They can't actually do it. Mm -hmm. That's why that's the artificial part, right? Of artificial, it's not real intelligence, it's fake. Anytime you're asking a robot or a machine to replicate or imitate something that comes from the human soul, which they don't have, that's where you, that's where you start to get into trouble. And I believe, I'll finish my rant this way. No. I think there's only two things that will stop it. One is organized labor, because that's the only thing that's ever proven to be a check on rampant capitalism. Oh, you know, it's in, in the history of capitalism. Um, it's why it's why all the big companies don't like unions because they know that they work. And just generally, yeah. the people, people as a whole. Right now, there's a great. They, they, if you look at the public consensus, people are very, very skeptical and very cynical about AI. Not just in terms of like the, the, like the philosophical or the, the moral implications, but just like, is this something we actually want? And I'd be interested to know Sissy's point of view on this, because I, I personally feel like, or at least I want to believe, maybe it's wishful thinking, that humans will never go to the theater and be content to watch a story made, entirely, made and performed and produced entirely by machines. I just, I just don't think we'll ever accept it. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, listen, I also never thought that watching 30 second clips of somebody would be enough entertainment. Right. You know, I think our generation, you know, up until people that are 20 years old at this point, no, you're right. But what if that's all they know? Um, I would like to think not, but I don't know. I think, I think, you're, I think, I think it's foolish to say never. 
Because again, like even my 11 year old has grown up in a, I grew up in a world where there were four TV channels. She grew up with an iPad yeah. that has an infinite, vast array of content. And that's just her reality. That's, mm -hmm. that's the base expectation. So I think that, yeah, the next generation, the one beyond that grows up with AI, just already part of, they just, this isn't something they had to live through a transition. It will just already be there when they, you know, as they, as they come of age. I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. a hundred years from now, absolutely all of our, we could just be outsourcing all of our entertainment to machines. But this is what, humans are supposed to do, right? So Go if ahead. I can, if I can, I think what I find so exciting about AI, truly exciting, is that it allows us entry into a place where we currently haven't been. For example, in video game development, you know, long before the auditions come out, long before we know, you know, that uh, Call of Duty 94 is in the works, they are working on scripts in-house. Um, if they can use my voice and I get paid to not be there, great. If there's a company that has uh, internal videos that need narration in 13 different languages and they want to pay me to do it, great. That sounds neat. Um, but yeah, when we start replacing wholesale industries with, uh, with robots, then suddenly universal basic income isn't the punchline of the joke anymore. No, I think I think that's very well where we might end up. And the problem is, of course, is is that it is ultimately all driven by rampant and greed-based capitalism. Hollywood's a tricky business for for creatives. Is because the whole reason why we had the strike um, is because all of the tech bros and and masters of the universe, captains of industry type people that run Hollywood don't like creative people. They don't because mm -hmm. they're unpredictable. They they complain. They moan. And they're more interested in creating art than making money. This is why Hollywood is fundamentally fucked because it tries to combine art and commerce, which are two things that do not belong together. And every time they come into conflict, which is all the time, commerce always wins. That's why Hollywood is a, is a rough business for, for creative people. The people that run Hollywood don't care if they're making spark plugs or arts. This is why the word content, which I hate, has become so mm -hmm. popular now, because it, it just represents the commoditization of art as just something else, another product that can be packaged and sold. And it makes me sick. But this is the world that we live in. And this is why, thank God for unions. We, we, you know, we stood up against it this time. Next time, we, we don't know. But I guarantee the people, like, they love AI. The, 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 the masters of the universe people, the CEOs, are going to love AI because it's cheap and it does what it's told, which is two things creative people often are not. And I don't think they necessarily care if the works. Right? No, obviously, it isn't even close. Like we see the TV commercials. Like somebody says, like, "Oh, it's so funny to me." Like the AI bros are the same as the crypto bros and the other tech bros that don't understand art at all. Right? You either you, ever, you either, either either have an analytical mind or a creative mind. Right? Your brain is literally split down the middle. You either one or the other. And all the tech bros now don't who don't understand the the intrinsic value of art, which is inherently more than the sum of its parts, don't understand that because the zeros and ones don't add up the way they want them to. And so because they have no artistic sensibility, they'll put something on YouTube. This, oh my God, this TV commercial was made entirely by AI. Can you believe it? I'm like, yeah, because it's shit. And that guy's got eight fingers. Like this is not, do you think that's good? Because it looks fucking terrible. And so I don't think it'll well, ever be I as can... good, but it might be good enough for them to be able to get rid of us. And that's the really scary part. Sorry. I, if I, I can sorry, directly you... contradict you. Okay. <laughs> in the best of for the best of reasons um do you remember julian kwasneski from bay area sound yes well, he, i was in the booth with him yeah. for many hours yes so julian was my very first director uh on my very first show katya on the walking dead was my first job and he was my director on that job which was amazing um after we published our framework on nava 
Julian called me and said, hey, I'm working with a guy. We want to make that company. Will you help us? Um, the basic tenets of what we posted on the Nava website were consent. I want to be a digital voice. Control. I want to know what my voice is going to be used for. Fair compensation. Fair tracking so that I know where my voice is being used and how often. Uh, safe storage. And um, yeah, I'm forgetting the last one. A anyway, he called me and he was like, we want to make that company. Will you help us? And I was like, yes, because I know that this technology is not going away. So let's do it the right way. So we are. Um, we had a soft launch. Uh, Bloomberg did an article about us a couple of weeks ago. The name of the company is Morpheme, uh, M-O-R-P-H-E-M-E, -E, which is the actual smallest uh, bit of spoken language. Uh, it is an actual word. Um, and what we're doing is working directly with actors. Number one, I'm on the board or I'm a founding member. I'm an actor. I'm on the founding team of this company. We're going directly to the actors and working with them. We are working with the union to have a contract in place. Um, although I don't know what the, the current uh, proposed contract would do to that. We'll save that for another time. Um, and we're making sure, number one, the actors will be able to say whether or not they want to be involved in the first place, whether or not they want to be involved in whatever client wants to engage their digital asset. And anytime the voice is generated, the actor will get paid. I think that's as close to a solution as you're going to get. Because like Sissy says, the, te the technology is not going to go away. You're not going to get rid of it. So the question is, how do you manage it and how do you make it livable? I think like... If you say, as a writer, it's a similar thing. Okay, so Gary, um, there's a vast, there's a vast uh, uh, library of your writing now that we've trained AI, and we can basically now have you, your digital clone, write something for us. But you will be, let's say you get paid 50 cents on the dollar when it's like digital Gary and not real Gary, but I don't have to do anything, right? Because the AI is doing it. As long as I know what it is and approve it, I'm not going to do a right-wing political ad or tobacco or something like that. As long as I get to approve it, yes. I get fairly paid. And again, like on all of those, and I'm satisfied, by all means, that actually sounds quite good. The problem is that's the part that the, the corporations don't want. Like, they, I'll give you an example from when we did Rogue One, right? We created a, a digital uh, Peter Cushing, right? Grand Moff Tarkin. But that was still played by a real actor called Guy Henry who did the performance. They just kind of reskinned his face. And that, uh, importantly, that was done with the full cooperation and consent and compensation to Peter Cushing's estate, right? They, they, did, they would not have done that. I remember talking, so like, we would need to get, like, the family would have to be cool with this. Right? And they, yeah, yeah, we're going to sort all that out. And they did. That's exactly what they want to get rid of, though. They don't want to have to compensate you. They don't want your consent. They just want to own you forever. Long yeah. after you're dead, you'll be doing dog food commercials or whatever it is, and you ain't get, and, and like your family's not even getting paid. Like that's, that's where the battle is being fought. It's not like, is this technology going to exist? Because like you said, technology cannot be held back. It's going to happen. The question is, how do we manage it and make it fair for human beings? That's where the, and I think, Sissy, the, the, what you're talking about is, is exactly the right way to be directing your efforts right now. It's been incredibly rewarding. I mean, listen, it's, I'm, it's scary. Everything is scary right now. Like, breathing is scary at the moment. Um, but it's been incredibly rewarding to come out to my community that I love and I have fought so hard for for the last 10 years for multiple things and have everybody be like, yeah. This, this is the way it needs to happen. You know, agents are excited about it. The uh, companies that we've spoken to are excited about it. 
not least of which for the reasons being that we are actually working with the actor to get the content. You know, you have the Andreessen Horowitzes of the world coming out saying, well, you can't make us pay for the content that we stole. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You don't want to pay for the content that you stole? Neat. Yeah, but I mean, these, these people are taking, talking, speaking a completely different language. Actors, yeah, if we're going to go work directly with the actors, there's no question of whether or not it's legitimate. There's no question of whether it can be verified. <laughs> we lovingly refer to it as grass-fed voiceover. <laughs> can, I ask, can I ask you a question, Sissy? Because I'm sure this is something you've considered, but it's like there's so many interesting questions that pop up when you venture into completely uncharted territory like this. Let's say in a world that, that, that is kind of governed by the rules you're describing and a company rents out your digital version to do a performance in a game or radio or whatever it might be. And you hear it back, you know, because you've got a consent, right? You hear it back and you go, oh, it's actually, really, wow, that's really good. Like, I'd be proud to have given that performance myself. That's actually really impressive. How do you want to be credited? Do you want to be credited as Sissy Jones or do you want it to be clear that it was like an AI version of you that was, that was performing it and not the real you? That's a good question. I mean, one of the things that we made very clear with Morpheme is that we are going to list the actors by the actor's name. It's not going to be like mm, Jenny, you know, who's a composite of 50 different voices that you can't tell apart. We want it to actually be Sissy Jones. You know, you can come and hire my voice um, because I think especially, you know, in games, because of the the, the past credits that, that I have, my name carries a, a, a weight to it. You know, um, people know me from Firewatch. They know me from Life is Strange, um, yada, yada. So having my name on a project. I think is valuable for a creator in that in that circumstance. Um, but that is something to be ironed out. It absolutely is. Right now, all of the, the companies that we are talking to want to use it for development only, not for public facing, which is very heartening for me <laughs> because I'm not totally out of a job yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I definitely feels like we're at an inflection point. Certainly with the writers and the writer and actor strikes, where AI was such a focus, right? Because we see where it's going, right? If you don't fight for these things and get them now, it'll be too late, right down the road. Like they'll have all this yeah. stuff, they'll own you, and like because you didn't fight for it, then they don't need you anymore. Again, I it, the, the next twenty thirty years is going to be so fascinating. This is going to be the defining technology of the next 20, 30 years, because it can be used in so many... 20, 30 years from now, there's not going to be any aspect of our lives that isn't touched by AI. Gary, I would say three years. There's yeah, I mean, make, make, I, I, so I, I have a friend who's very smart about Sorry. this, who works in Hollywood and is also a real tech person, and he said um, actors have about three years left, uh, writers have maybe five or six years left, and musicians will have the longest because it's the hardest thing. Right? AI hasn't cracked how to make music yet, but it's it, it's it will be the last one, last domino to fall. But like this, yeah, the cynical people says yeah, a much more like it's a much more contracted timeline. Mm -hmm. And again, I think AI has a lot to offer the world in terms of like the kind of jobs that robots should be doing, like picking plastic out of the ocean. Just leave the human stuff to the humans. Yeah, and I think that was. But then also, like, what's to stop somebody from from starting a company that's not the big five, you know, calling all the shots. What's to stop somebody from starting a company that does actually care about the art of it and not I mean, quote unquote content? You know, Charlie you know? Chaplin and, you know, the United Artists 100 years ago, that's what they tried to do, right? And, we, mm -hmm. and they may end up having to be something like that again. You know, Ruffalo and a bunch of people during the strike were saying, fuck these guys, let's just go make our own stuff. Um, and AI may end up being really helpful as a tool to filmmakers, like as an assistive tool. I can see 
how it helps. So I was messing around with Midjourney during the strike, just like develop. I would never use it in a public facing way, but like if I want to like imagine something and Midjourney can produce an image that helps spark my imagination, I think that's fine. But like I would never monetize it or use it in like, oh, this is the actual end product. Yeah. So I think we have to recognize it can be a useful tool. But like, I mean, there's a reason why when they have these big AI conferences, like there's a whole portion where they talk about the Skynet part. Like, well, what if they just fucking take over? Because it's not a joke. The real, yeah. the real AI experts are the ones saying like, yeah, you need to like, just because you've seen it in a bunch of Hollywood movies doesn't mean it can't actually happen. Like the really scary stuff is on the table. That's why I Absolutely was is. so happy to have Sissy come join us, right? And talk about this because it is so interesting and it is the future. And for what I gathered from her, it wasn't, oh, let's just shut the door and pretend like it's not there. It's no, let's talk about it. Let's learn about it. Let's blend right now and find what's best for us and for them and for the world in the future. And I thought that was so interesting. And I thought everyone has to hear that. And that's what's exciting to me with you, Sissy, is like now we hear the rallying call from you and the team, right? Now we feel like, hey, it looks like we have a good vision. You all are the ones. It looks like you have a good head on your shoulders on where you want to go. I guess my final one is like, 10 to 20 years from now, where do you want this to be? Is this going to be the golden pot that we want and it all works out? I think we have to assign human cost to technological advances. I think we have to educate people who only see this as a neat tool to make, you know, crappy YouTube videos on what the cost of this actually is. And we have to hope that better angels prevail. Um, Am I a bit of a Pollyanna? Probably. But I also know how much people care. And I've been talking to a lot of people in the last two years. And I will tell you, every single person I have spoken to, whether they are fellow actors or writers or um, entry level at an enterprise, everybody is scared. Everybody wants somebody to stand up and say, this is how it should be. Is morphine going to be it forever? I hope so. I would love to see people actually embrace this this way of being. You know, I think our I think our business model is sound, and I think the actors care, and I think the enterprises that we've been talking to care. Um, and I would love to see other companies. Can I swear? I would yeah, love course. to see other companies give a shit. You know what I mean? I think we've gotten into this rat race of bigger, better, faster, stronger, more money. I have a bigger yacht than you. And what's the human cost? At what point do we look around as the majority and say, I don't want that guy to have another fucking yacht? You yeah, know? unfortunately, the people with the yachts have never cared about the human cost. That's why they have the yachts. So I don't know what it's going to... there's more of us than there are of them. I get, but I, okay, I mean, are we talking about like armed revolt? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to take. But yeah, the, 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 the yacht people, they got to go. Yeah. Now, Sissy, before we get out of here, you know, people gamers human beings out there watching and listening and maybe fellow voice actors where can they keep up with you where can they find the right tools to learn more and maybe get involved if they want to reach out and find a way to make sure that they're involved in this i would say number one go to novavoices.org if you're in a position to donate please donate we are operating at a pretty massive loss but we're integral to the survival of voiceover at this point um Nava Voice is a, is a great place to start. Keep your eye on Morpheme. Um, you know, we're hoping to, to go a bit bigger here uh, once we're able to have a few more screws tightened down. 
um, reach out to me on social. I, you know, we all have a voice in this. We all do. I, I think the more people get involved, the more people get loud, the more people care, the better chance we all stand. And that goes for actors, writers, gamers. I, I don't care who you are. You're going to be affected by AI and it's up to us how big the effect is going to be. Sissy Jones, thank you for coming and speaking and being powerful and leading the charge alongside <laughs> so many incredible others. And thank you for lending your time to us here on the X-Cast. I thought it was a great discussion. I really appreciate you. And most importantly, keep up the good fight with you and everyone out there. I cannot wait to hear a year, five years from now, where we stand on this and what you all have done. Thanks, Sissy. Thank you. And with Thank you that, so much. And with that kind of funny best friends, we got to go. Enjoy the episode. Think about that discussion right there. And we'll come back next week with some more gaming news. Until then, take a good one. Bye, gamers.